0: This is KGNU's Morning Magazine. It's Thursday, September 14th of 2023. I'm your host, Shannon Young. Coming up on today's program, we'll hear from the head buyer at the Boulder Bookstore about this weekend's 50th anniversary celebration of the independent bookstore on the Pearl Street Mall. Then, Radio Nibbles host John Lindorf will be in the studio with a guest to chat about how we can change how we feed each other in the interest of personal and global health. After the bottom-of-the-hour BBC News update, it's Black Talk with Michelle Simpson. She'll be speaking with two young people about their experiences with unsheltered homelessness in Boulder. Then at 9.30, Greg Schultz will be in for the morning sound alternative. That's all still coming up, but first, it's
1: time for the headlines with KGNU's Benita Lee. A federal judge in Texas ruled against the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program yesterday. Also known as DACA, the 11-year-old program allows qualifying undocumented residents brought to the U.S. as children to access work authorization and have certain protections against deportation. Many advocates for civil rights for immigrants anticipated yesterday's ruling, which declared the DACA program illegal. Former President Barack Obama created the program via executive order after years of inaction by Congress to reform U.S. immigration laws. How the ruling will affect those already in the program is unclear. More than 13,000 DACA recipients live in Colorado, with more than 8,000 residing in the Denver metro area. Some 13,000 United Healthcare policyholders will still have in-network coverage at Boulder Community Health, or BCH, after the two organizations reached an agreement Monday. A contract dispute had threatened to interrupt patients' access to affordable care at the end of the month. According to Boulder Reporting Lab, both sides would not comment on the terms of the agreement. Earlier reports suggested BCH has expressed concern about price hikes since the onset of the pandemic. It is not clear whether policyholders' premiums will increase as part of the settlement. Environmental groups filed a lawsuit Wednesday in the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia against the Bureau of Land Management. The suit cites mismanagement of livestock grazing on public lands in 13 western states, including in Colorado. Some 35,000 BLM permit holders graze their livestock on 155 million acres of public land in the West. The Western Watershed Project and Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility allege BLM managers in Colorado are not performing required duties. Those include environmental assessments of areas where domestic sheep and wild bighorn sheep graze, and damage reduction to national conservation lands and monuments. According to the Denver Post, a BLM spokesperson said the agency would not comment on the case. The complaints echo those of a whistleblower employee who filed a complaint against BLM last month. She alleged her BLM employers were endangering the ecosystem near the Rio Grande in the San Luis Valley by allowing illegal grazing. Denver Trolley's football shuttle is an open-air vehicle that will transport Broncos fans from the Confluence Park to the Empower Field at Mile High. KGNU's Juanito Hurtado
2: has more. The trolley will be available for the game against the Commanders this Sunday, running all day from two hours before kickoff until 45 minutes after the game ends. The return trip will start at the beginning of the first quarter and will take fans back to Confluence Park. A trolley ride costs $10 per person round trip, and children three years old and younger ride for free. The trolley is operated by the Denver Tramway Heritage Society and is a hominage to Denver's trolley history. For KGNU,
1: I'm Juanita Tortado. The National Centers for Disease Control has approved a COVID vaccine created to tackle the newer XBB and EG5 virus strains. They recommend everyone six months and older gets the shot as soon as supplies reach pharmacies and healthcare providers. Boulder County officials say COVID cases and hospitalizations rose in recent weeks. Free shots will be available to uninsured and underinsured adults through the Federal Bridge Access Program for COVID-19. More information can be found at vaccines.gov. The city of Boulder has posted results from its first summer count of unhoused people in the area. Called the point-in-time count, the data is typically collected in January in communities nationwide to track homelessness data and support local initiatives. For the first time, Boulder officials added a July count to better understand seasonal trends in houselessness. The Boulder data listed an increase in unhoused people from 142 in January to 171 in July. Of about 100 people surveyed, roughly a quarter of them said it was their first time experiencing houselessness. Over 75 percent said they had been houseless for a year or longer, and almost 90 percent reported living with a disabling condition. A Denver Transportation Committee is considering banning right turns at red lights, especially in areas where pedestrian and cyclist accidents are more common. Mayor Mike Johnston is evaluating recommendations to end Right on Red on busier Denver streets, including East Colfax, South Federal, Lincoln, and Broadway. If Johnston decides to push for a Right on Red ban, the Denver City Council would need to approve the policy change. The Boulder County Sheriff's Office arrested a 32-year-old man Wednesday accused of attacking a child on a trail. Police received a 911 call from a girl who reported escaping a man who had pushed her down, then had tried to detain her against her will. The suspect was identified as Cole Priest. Police believe he may have assaulted other victims and are seeking tips from the public. Police reported two sightings of a mother bear and her cub in Louisville. Louisville police first caught a glimpse of the bear family Tuesday night On Wednesday morning, officers received a report that the same two bears were near Louisville Elementary School. The school brought students inside until 1 pm when the bear was no longer seen in the area. Police are urging residents to keep garbage secured, barbecue grills clean, and to take down bird feeders until mid-November when bears are entering hibernation. Partly sunny with a chance of showers and thunderstorms throughout the day today, Wind gusts in some areas as high as 24 miles per hour. In Boulder, a high near 70 and a low around 49. In Denver, a high near 73 and a low around 51. In Fort Collins, a high near 70 and a low around 49. For KGNU, I'm Benita Lee.
0: You are listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm Shannon Young. The Boulder Bookstore is a local and national institution. The award-winning independent bookstore is celebrating its 50th anniversary this Sunday with a day-long celebration. Maeve Conran spoke with Arsene Kashkashian, head buyer of the Boulder Bookstore and co-host, with Maeve, of the Radio Book Club, about what people can expect this Sunday and why and how the bookstore has endured over the past five decades.
2: Well, we're going to have a big party on Sunday, um, the 17th, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I think we've got over 30 authors who are coming. They'll be spread throughout the various rooms. so People can come up to them and talk to them. We've got lots of cake coming from Lucky's Bake Shop, another great local institution, uh, we'll have some activities. We're going to have somebody writing poems on demand, you know, on a typewriter. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think it's just going to be hopefully, we're going to see a lot of people who love the bookstore and a lot of community members and all those authors and really celebrate uh, a, a true milestone.
3: Well, it is a milestone if you look at what has happened with publishing and book selling in general over the past. Well, more recently, but certainly over the last 50 years, what has happened. And yet the Bold Bookstore has stood strong. I mean, talk a little bit about how the industry has changed between Amazon, the growth of chain bookstores or just what's happening with the digital
2: space and yeah. how
3: people are moving into reading things digitally as opposed to books. I mean, there's been so many challenges. What has changed yeah, over it, the last
2: 50 years? Well, it's been crazy. You know, um, I started there in 92, so I've been there 31 years. But in the 20 years from 73 to 92, there were challenges. People remember there was the rise of the mall stores, you know, like the B. Dalton's and the band, you know, the uh, I can't remember the B. Dalton's and Walden books that were in all the malls. And then um, as you moved into the 90s, when I got there, you know, Barnes Noble and Borders were seen as an existential crisis. And, you know, these big chains who were moving in and, and there was a lawsuit where, It was shown that they were getting favorable treatment. We actually got a part of that settlement way back when. And I remember when the Borders tried to move to uh, Pearl and 17th, somebody chained themselves to the door so they couldn't open the store. And it wasn't somebody on our behalf. I mean, they were doing it. For you know, because they were protested, it they didn't want they didn't want a chain store there. But it wasn't somebody that we knew, somebody that we set up to do it. You know, so it was it was kind of crazy time. But and, and those were all things that seemed like existential crisis. And then when you move towards, just as you think you've gotten through the chain threat that you know, we're surviving it, we're doing okay with it. You know, then Amazon came, and Amazon I think was really and continues to be the biggest threat to independent bookselling. They, um, you know, people just started going there in droves. And, you know, for many years, we had people who come in the store and they'd look at books in the store and they would then go home and order from Amazon. And then at, for a little while, we had people who would actually just do it on their cell phone right in the store, you know. And I don't think we see that at this point anymore, but it was very um, – in some ways, that was the most discouraging time period, I think, as a bookseller because it's like you're enjoying – the beautiful ambiance, you're using our booksellers for information, you're getting all these wonderful amenities, but you're not willing to pay even $3 extra for it. You know, you're going to buy the book for $12 or $10 instead of 13 or 15 or whatever it was. But, you know, David Bolduke, the owner of the store, he founded Biba, Boulder Independent Business Alliance, and Boulder turned out to be very receptive to that message. You know, that the the value of independent stores, the value of unique stores, not just bookstores, but all sorts of stores. And so we had a receptive community to that message. But we had to work to get out that message. Boulder went to Amazon just as fast, it seemed like, as anybody else did. But I think they came back faster. So we were very lucky in that sense. And then, of course, you mentioned probably the, about 10, 12 years ago, we started seeing the rise of the Kindle and digital books. And, and Barnes & Noble had the Nook. And, um, you know, so we started losing some readers to that. But I feel like we've gotten those readers back. You know, ebooks kind of peaked five to 10 years ago. And there's still some people, you know, people read ebooks, they have their place in the market. But it was thought it was going to be exponential growth until a physical book disappeared. And that is simply not true. We are actually selling, I can say this in 2023, we're selling more physical books than we ever have in the past. People want books. And it's been a great couple of years for us coming out of this pandemic. And what people are buying more than ever is books.
3: Well, the role that the Boulder bookstore plays in the community, as you said there, David Balduke, the owner of the store, has really been an integral part of independent businesses in Boulder in general. But it's a cultural institution insofar as you're supporting the authors as well as the readers and I was just thinking about that with all of the Colorado authors that we have read and even non-Colorado authors that um, have been a part of of the book club. So many actually recognise the Boulder Bookstore in their acknowledgements. In fact, the author we've been reading for September, Ramona Ossibel, in her latest novel, The Last Animal, she acknowledges and gives a thank you to the Boulder Bookstore. So it's been a hub for the creative creators as well as the readers
2: talk a little bit about the role that you're playing for writers as well well we want to support writers as much as possible you know we're our, our survival depends on having <laughs> books to sell you know and and having that interaction with the writing community and the healthier the writing community is in Colorado and Boulder and spe- specifically the more vibrant we'll be you know that these authors are coming in all the time and they're signing their books and they're participating in in a big event like we're having on Sunday, you know, it's just, it's just good. I like to think of the store as kind of a safe haven for authors. Yes. We're going to feature your book. Yes. We can put you in the newsletter, you know, yes. You know, to some of them, we are pickier when it comes to the radio show, but you know, we'll try to really support as many authors as we can in as many different ways as we can. And they're doing the same for us. It's not a one-way street. The authors are supporting us. They're having their events. They're telling people to come to our store to buy the book. I love it when I see an author come in, particularly a a, a new author, somebody, maybe their first book, and they'll come in the store and you can see they're bringing three or four people in to show them where the book is shelved. And, you know, that just really kind of warms my heart. And I think, you know, I like to be able to provide that space for people.
3: Well, 50 years and many more to come of the Boulder Bookstore. Big celebration happening on Sunday. Arsene Kashkashianu is the head buyer of the Boulder Bookstore, as well as the co host, along with me, of the Radio Book Club. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Maeve. And for KGNU, I'm Maeve Conran. <laughs>
0: You know what time it is? It's time for Radio Nibbles, and on this program, we have talked about our broken food system. John Lindorf is in the studio with a guest today to talk about how we can change how we feed each other in the interest of personal and global health. Good morning.
4: Good morning, Shannon, and good morning, everybody sitting out there in the around the extremely large KGNU uh, breakfast table, and. Um, my guest this morning is uh, Michelle Auerbeck. and um, with a co-author, she's written a new book called uh, Feeding Each Other. Uh, welcome, Michelle.
5: Thank you for having me.
4: Um, tell me a little bit. I, I, I was uh, going through your book, and uh, I was struck by a, a, a poem that I always loved. I'm not going to read the whole thing, uh, but it began, it's by Joy Harjo, and uh, it begins like this. The world begins at a kitchen table no matter what we must eat to live and uh, at the end it says perhaps the world will end at the kitchen table while we are laughing and crying and eating of the last uh, sweet bite what's uh, what what sparked this uh, this book feeding each other which just came out by the way
5: so nicole savita my co-author and i have both worked in food systems and in food systems change and for years and we both realized that what existed were a lot of books about how to do the really minute things like become a vegan you know don't don't use grocery bags whatever and that there was no book that talked about changing the food system as a system that spoke to people who weren't like policy wonks who were average people who just wanted to know like what do i actually do
4: in your everyday life mm-hmm. and um talk a little bit about what uh, what your uh Why, what the problem is first. Well, the problem
5: is that the goal of the food system is not feeding people. The goal of the food system is making money. So when people say the food system is broken, it's not broken. It's working exactly as it's intended to work. So in order to change that, we're going to need to work together to change the goal of the food system. Because we can't run around, you know, with our hands up in the air crying, it's not working, it's not working. Because it is.
4: And, uh um... In the book, you um, talk to a bunch of people around the country uh, who are doing things very specifically to uh, improve the situation. A number of them uh, right here in Boulder.
5: Yep. There are a lot of places and a lot of ways in which people are actually creating relational food systems and running businesses and being successful, winning Michelin stars, all kinds of things that that are living into the paradigm we're talking about. So it's so hopeful to me, especially in Colorado, to see so many people do it the way we think will help change the world and be really good at it.
4: One of those people uh, and places is... uh well, one of the people is Kelly Whitaker, who has uh, just won a, a whole bunch of uh, Michelin awards this week. And next week on Radio Nibbles, we'll, we'll go into that uh, in depth. But uh, it was a remarkable sweep for Boulder-related uh, food people and restaurants. Uh, but talk a little bit about what Kelly does that that, that is different.
5: So one of the Places that I love to eat is Basta in Boulder, and it's a place that I have a deep relationship with. I've, I met one of the chefs mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm at uh, Grain School a long time ago. And so th- what they do is to really bring community together and to then also they in the kitchen they empower their chefs to cook really well and they eliminated food waste, which is a big food systems issue. And by eliminating a lot of the food waste, they raised the amount of money that they make but also improved the food. And so Kelly doesn't brag about it a lot or talk about it a lot because the food talks about it for him. It's so good. But what they're doing is really helping solve a big food systems problem We just get the benefit of it in the front of the house with amazing food.
4: And uh, while we're talking about that, um, you have an event coming up on the 20th uh, at uh, Dry Storage, which is the bakery cafe associated with Boston Boulder. And uh, Kelly's going to be there.
5: Yep. Kelly and Mara Jane King, who is the fermentation manager there, are both going to speak about the restaurant and what they do. So it's a good chance for people who... Just heard about them <laughs> to come and uh, and learn what they're doing.
4: And again, uh, this is a restaurant in Boulder, one of the few in the world that has a a genuine fermentation expert who uh, who helps uh, use all that uh, all that food.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And uh, I, what I uh, love is when uh, people feed me. I'm often the person feeding other people, so I appreciate this. Tell me a little bit about what you uh, brought while I taste it.
5: Okay, so John's going to taste kichel, which is a Eastern European pastry. My great aunt ran a bakery, and kichel was one of the things we sold. And so for me, this is real community. Like, if you want to taste relationship, this it's a little bow tie cookie that's mostly air on the inside. And I'm afraid it's going to be super loud on the radio. Mm. Yeah, and it.
4: Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't
5: that great? And so to me, that's that's community. That's the bakery I worked in when I was 16. It's my, great, it's my great Aunt Rose. It's the sort of Jewish community I grew up with in Cleveland. And food does that for us. It brings us relationship and joy and pleasure. So while we're all setting out to change the food system, I would like to do it in a way that brings us more joy.
4: Really? What's the spicing? Just vanilla. Just vanilla?
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. It's the... Uh as we say, the toasting and the caramelization and stuff that, that makes it beautiful. And it it what I like, it It holds up when you dunk it, unlike, say, a cake donut, which dissolves in your coffee. Um, we, we only have a few minutes left. Um, the Surgeon General recently has uh, talked about an epidemic of uh, loneliness coming out of the epidemic, and the impact that that's had on people's lives and i think of it in terms of uh, what's been lost because uh, we so seldom get together and feed each other if you uh, live alone like i do you don't have that daily opportunity and it really can affect your life talk a little bit about that
5: So food is one of the things that affects every aspect of our life. So it affects our mental health. It affects our connectedness to other people. And it's a way that we can bring each other back into relationship and connection. We've all been kind of atomized over the last three or four years. And we're living in our kitchens by ourselves. And food... Food, at its best, allows us to connect to the past, to the future, to each other. So feeding, bringing each other cookies, feeding each other, stopping to have a cup of coffee with somebody. like Those are all ways to start to build relationship. And those relationships are really what's going to change the food system.
4: Um, before we uh, finish up here, um, talk about the book again. Uh, yeah. So the
5: book's called Feeding Each Other. And it's a, it's a guide for creating change in the food systems through
4: relationship. And your uh, co-author is
5: her name is Nicole Savita, and she lives in Vermont. Although she used to be here and teach at the Food Systems Program at CU.
4: Uh, I, I I highly recommend this book. It really is uh, it'll it can we've talked about all of these issues so much food insecurity and uh, food waste and everything else, and uh, it it really addresses it in a in a different way um so this is uh this is uh pretty wonderful and um shannon you have a yeah, question i do
0: i do i want to in the final minute john i want to ask you about what we were discussing before we went on the air which is the best thing you've tasted lately
4: you know usually <laughs> it's like uh pie or stromboli or whatever um in this case um uh, Last week, I was a judge at the, uh, there was a big municipal water conference in Loveland. And they said, would you come up and help us judge the water? I've uh, retired from a lot of other judging uh, for health reasons. I thought, well, hey, I can judge water. (laughs) It was a remarkable thing. There were seven different samples of uh, water from seven communities. And the the winner was uh, the tap water from uh, Aurora. Nice. And you're saying, how could could it be? Uh, it, it was. Uh, I, I admit it's nuanced, but there were several samples that seemed to be chlorinated, and mm-hmm. I didn't like that. There were other ones that were just flat, you know, tasting. But the Aurora water, in the in the opinion of the uh, judges, there um, was the uh, was the tastiest, and uh, it was really a an interesting experience for me as a as a judge.
0: Well, John Lindorf, thanks as always for coming on for Radio Nibbles and to your guest, Michelle Auerbach. Thank you both.
4: Bon Appetit.
0: That's it for today's Morning Magazine. I've been your host and producer, Shannon Young. Benita Lee is our Headlines producer. Thanks to Jackie Sedley, Maeve Conran, and John Lindorf for their contributions to today's program. And to content creation intern Juanito Hurtado for convincing members of the very serious news department to record silly videos on Deadline. You can follow us on Instagram to see what we've been up to before I have second thoughts about it. Stay tuned for Black Talk with Michelle Simpson. That's coming up just after the BBC News Headlines.